0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts
1: now. Welcome back to hour number two. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. It is eight oh two in your in the beautiful city of Tucson and uh, whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9 or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa enabled device, I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show as we deliver two hours of radio for you every morning. I know that Uh, You guys have a choice of where to lend your ears to your sports information, news, entertainment, opinions, whatever have you, and I appreciate you choosing this show right here, uh, the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Glad to be back on the air with you guys. Looking forward to many, many, many more uh, in the days, weeks, months, maybe even years to come. Uh, Okay, so we talked a lot about the NBA in hour number one. It's pretty much dominated hour number one. We can move on from that um, other than the fact that a little NBA news, Christian Coloco, the, of course the uh, award-winning center for the Arizona Wildcats this season, has decided to join the NBA draft and is going to uh, enter his name into the draft. Get a, he's going to hire an agent, and he'll be uh, he'll be going into the NBA. He will be drafted. He will be drafted in the first round, in my opinion. There are plenty of teams out there that like his athleticism. It, it, look, it's, it's hard to ignore his athleticism and his length. Seven foot one and he can guard the perimeter. If you're a team that is looking for a player like a DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I, you know, I hate to make the comparison, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can go out there and, and play the perimeter. He can go and guard the ball against some of these wings that are out there in, uh, in you know, make switches. And when they you – know, 90% of the league, if you get a switch with a guard on a center – You've just won that switch. However, there's a couple of instances in the NBA right now where if you're playing the Phoenix Suns and you get that switch and DeAndre Ayton is now on your on your wing player, uh, that's not an automatic win. In fact, we just proved it to you in hour number one that DeAndre's going to win that contest most of the time. 20 shots contested in the game yesterday against the Pelicans. Uh, DeAndre won 18 of those 20. Pelicans shot 2 of 20 when DeAndre Ayton was contesting a shot. So there you go, proof positive. Uh, Coloco is is that has that kind of impact. Um, he's a good leaper. He runs the floor well, just like DeAndre. So the, the comparisons are, are interesting, but they are there. Uh, and I think that I think the Coloco will be a, a fine pro. I really do. Uh, I think we're right now. Arizona is sending two very good pros to the NBA, and uh, they will perform. I think Benedict Matherins. There, I'm not alone in this. Uh, you know, there are NBA scouts and NBA you know, insider guys that, that really think that Benedict Matherin could have a big impact in the league from this particular draft class. So we'll continue to see. Obviously their careers are just starting. They're very young. Um and they are just getting, you know, their their careers underway. They haven't even been paid yet. So this'll be uh this'll be fun to watch. As it is always watching Wildcats go into the league. Uh speaking of Arizona, Arizona baseball loses their series in Salt Lake City to Utah and uh struggling right now and things aren't getting much easier for the Wildcats baseball team because they're now going to travel to Omaha for a two-game series against Creighton before returning back to Tucson to take on Arizona State in the the you know essentially the big weekend matchup coming up uh at the uh at the at High Corbett Field at the Juice Box coming up later this week so it's it's uh uh, it's it's this is the part of the season where we are going to find out what this team is really made of because they not only you know not I mean they're going to play Creighton and Creighton's you know Creighton's a good team uh and they're going to be playing them on the road they're going to be going to Omaha for uh Tuesday night's game um in Omaha against uh against the Blue Jays and then they come home to play Arizona State a team they've already lost to this year up here in Tempe but this is a three game series that matters on the record for the conference and Arizona right now, 11 and seven in the PAC 12 after dropping some games to Washington state, Utah. I mean, it, it hasn't been, hasn't been great. And then they finish out the season against USC, Oregon state and Oregon, not going to be an easy road, uh, for the Wildcats the rest of the way. Chip Hale is going to, uh, you know, going to have to make sure that this team is focused and ready and, and, you know, it seems like this team has had a couple of issues bite them, but a couple of different issues essentially come up and bite them in certain series. In For the, most of the season, it's been the defense. The defense has been a problem most of the year. Uh, the offense hasn't been too much of an issue. They, they've, gotten, they've gotten big hits, but not the most timely of hitting. And that was one of the cases recently where they weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. And now the pitching is starting to kind of you know, wander a little bit. So it's time for Chip Hale to to get this, to, you know, get the, the ship righted. Essentially, get their minds right. Take them away. Take you know, take them off to Omaha. Get a win against Creighton, and then come back here for a big rivalry series this weekend in Tucson, uh, hosting the uh, the school from up north. That's going to be huge. If, if Arizona can win three of the next four games. They're going to be in a good position to continue to lead and eventually possibly win the Pac-12 because we got the Pac-12, you know, the Pac-12 baseball tournament coming up in Scottsdale at the end of the season, so that should be a new, a fun new wrinkle to the season. So, uh, Arizona baseball, uh, not playing well lately, but again, still plenty of baseball to be played, and I think they will improve. It's a better team than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. The softball team, which has been having a not good season at all. In fact, they were run ruled. In several in several games this year, they've uh, I think they've, uh, opposing pitchers have thrown no hitters against them twice this year, but they punch back. As softball won the home series against the Oregon Ducks this weekend at uh, at Hillenbrand Stadium, so the uh, the softball team starting to kind of feel themselves a little bit. They got some wins under their belt. Hopefully, that carries them through to the remainder of this season, and they can uh, they can challenge for uh, you know a spot near the top of the conference. And in other great news, Clancy Shields and uh, and the job that he did with the men's tennis program, not just this year but in the years leading up to this, getting them to this point, as Arizona men's tennis wins the Pac-12 for the first time in program history, and they were perfect in doing it. They're the 14th ranked team in the country. They finished seven and zero in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, they finished. Just ahead of uh, of USC, who's got you know, obviously a great program, the uh, you know Arizona beat USC just a uh, just a few weeks ago, and essentially that was the that was the series that, it, that you know made the difference in the uh, in the outcome of this of uh, this season. So, great huge props to Clancy Shields and all of the members of the U of A men's tennis team, the first ever first ever time winning the uh, the Pac-12 championship and they were perfect in doing it they were up in Seattle this weekend and uh, beat Washington 4 to 1 to uh, to win the Pac-12 championship outright so super super kudos to them that is great to hear it's 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 um you know it's it's always important that you you know that you recognize and i think it's not just important that you recognize but it's important that you have these types of programs on campus, in the athletic department, doing the things that they're doing, it's not just about football and basketball, and it's not just about baseball and softball. You know, the, the the gymnastics team had a you know they got they got a win over Utah for the first time in program history this year. Utah is a national power, national power, and Arizona got their first ever match match win over uh, over Utah earlier this season. The gymnastics program is doing well. Obviously, we just talked about men's tennis and what Clancy Shields did with a perfect run through the conference and a very good uh, conference, from what I gathered. Uh, you know, it's 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 nice to have these things. You know, soccer is uh, you know it's, we have good soccer programs, good volleyball programs at Arizona. It's nice to have a full slate of good athletics programs on campus. I mean, there's there are a lot of schools that wish that they were at like Arizona, and in fact, if that it's not just about one sport or two sports, and I think you know who I'm talking about. So um, very proud to be a Wildcat today, every day, and uh, we'll continue to cover Wildcat sports as, uh, as necessary. Football on a little bit of a break, obviously. We talked about the spring game last week from what you know, what I saw at the spring game. Um, some people had, had messaged me and said uh, that my, my takes were a little rosy. Hey, you know what? I'm an optimist. I get excited about, about Arizona football about you know all Arizona Athletics for that matter. Um I'm very excited about it and a lot of times you know I I'm I'm considered the guy to to call if if you know if a, a radio show or if a podcast or something needs an optimistic take on Arizona Athletics they give me a call because they know that I'm going to be a little bit more rosy but I like to also think that I'm realistic and I also like to just like I I'm not here to bash student athletes. I, that's just not that's not what I do. I, I leave that to other people who have miserable lives who want to talk bad about young men or women not performing at a at a college level uh, for whatever reason. I, I'm not I'm not going to be that person. You'll never hear me be that person. I don't believe in being that person. The fact that they're even playing sports is a tip of the cap to them because life is not easy uh, in that in that space. You know, I've I've been on the road. With the basketball team, I've seen what it's like to be a player, you know, just on the road and, you know, the study halls and, you know, everything that you have to go through and the programming and the scheduling and the practicing and the games and the travel. It's, it's you know, it's the, not the easiest thing. And we have to remember these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that, uh, you know, are just getting their first breath of fresh, free life, you know, away from the structure of being, you know, under the, the roof of their their families and you know in a much more you know uh confined space like you would find at high school um and obviously you know in high school if they're if they're a top college athlete you know they were a top high school athlete and things were even blown even more out of proportion at that level so um yeah i'm a bit of an optimist and maybe my take on the spring game was a little bit rosy but i don't have any reason to be negative about the team because we all know it's going to be better than last year's team like there's there's no question in my mind or should be in anybody's mind that this team is going to be better than last year's football team. But I'm not, also not saying that this team is going to go to a bowl game this year. I'm not saying this team is going to challenge for the Pac-12 South title. Like, I, I gave none of those indications. I just know that the talent level has risen. And, yes, there are still concerns in the trenches. What is, how is the offensive line going to gel? Does the defensive line have enough beef? Do they have a good enough rotation to stay healthy and stay relevant and be able to hold up in front of the back seven? I mean, these are all questions that are going to be answered obviously when we start the season, but these are these are questions that may not be answered by the time the season is over. I mean, at the end of the season you may be saying, "You know, it wasn't enough. We were too young on the offensive line and we were too thin on the defensive line." And that's why we're 2 and 10 this year or whatever. I'm I'm not I'm not sitting here like trying to blow a bunch of, you know, roses and rose petals all over the place. I'm like, I'm just trying to be real. And the fact is, this team is way more talented than any team that we've had in the last three years, three, four years, probably. And I'm very happy about that. I just want to see some good football being played because last year was not good football. It was not. We, I mean, obviously indicative of the record. There were moments where they put together some good things, and then those moments we're, you know, the, the, the balloon got popped right in front of our faces. Like, balloons blowing, blowing, boom, and it blew up. It's like, you know, when you get a bad balloon. if you're, blowing, We've all been there before. You're trying to blow the thing up, and all of a sudden you just pop, it just burst. Like, you're like, wow, that wasn't even close to, to pushing the, the envelope on this uh, on this balloon here. It, it burst. That was just a bad one. Like, we had, like, 50 of those moments last year during football. <laughs> like, oh. Like, when they, when they say, oh, we suck again, right? Look, it was – it's a bad year, and we're going to be better this year. How much better? I don't know. Will it translate to wins? I don't know. I saw a uh, I saw a, uh, um, a a statistic on strength of schedule, and I don't know. I think it was ESPN's FPI, which I think is the worst metric in the world <laughs> uh, by measuring uh, you know the world of college football. I, I disproved ESPN's FPI I think 19 times last season. And how bad it was, but it's the only metric that we have going right now. That I, that at least, that I looked at, and I didn't go diving into Sagarin's ratings or anything like that coming up. And we'll have the Phil Steele guide coming up, and we'll know, you know, a lot more about the college football season upcoming once I get my Phil Steele's guide in, guide into my hands. It's a must have for every college football fan. But I can tell you this: Arizona's sixty-first, I think, it's sixty-first or sixty-second ranked strength of schedule is a joke. I, I said this last year. I say this all the time. Strength of schedule is is subjective. Because, okay, does Alabama play the toughest schedule in the country? I would say they never play the, the toughest schedule in the country because they're always favored. They favored. They're favored to win every game. How is that the most difficult schedule? The most difficult schedule to play is a schedule in which you are not favored to win any of the games, like Arizona did last year. <laughs> favored in in one game and they lost that game so uh, you know that to me says your schedule is difficult because if you're an underdog in every game you have to overcome more to win that football game and to be honest with you I don't know like again I don't have my Phil still I don't know how many players are returning to the North Dakota State Championship team I know that Mississippi State had a really good year of recruiting two years ago, and those guys are going to be on the field. Maybe they're better than people give them credit for. I'm not exactly sure what San Diego State is returning in regards to their team that was on the field last year that was really good. But I can tell you this, Arizona strength of schedule, the teams that they're playing, the teams that are lined up to play Arizona this year, that group of 12 is better than the 62nd ranked schedule in the country. I'm just saying, I, I I don't agree with with whatever ranking, however ESPN came up with that one. But nonetheless, to say they have the sixty second ranked schedule, and you have to immediately say, look, it's gotta be a top ten most difficult schedule in the country because they're not going to be favored in any of those games. <laughs> like that's the that's that's to me that to me is difficult. Trying to win games, you're not supposed to win. Right? I don't know. Maybe that's just my own Deluded way of thinking. Who knows? But I do think that uh, I well, I shouldn't say I think. I know that Arizona football is going to be better this season than it was last season, and that gives me hope because we're going to get to see better football. We're going to see get to see better players doing their thing, and the great thing is all these young players. This is football, folks. They're not one and dones And yes, there's you know there's transfer portal and stuff and anything can happen. But it goes both ways, and I think Jet Fish proved that he does pretty well. In transfer portal, incoming transfer portal guys. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that right now either. Let's just start the season before we start worrying about whether or not Noah Fafita is going to transfer next year. <laughs> can we, can we play some football first? Hell, can we even just get the entire team on the field? Not all the guys are here yet. So let's just uh, pump the brakes a little bit there. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return some things in the NFL that are going on right now, and three wide receivers in the league have kind of, I, I guess, colluded, gotten together, and are basically saying, we ain't going to show up for the offseason uh, this year unless we get our new contracts. Will it work? We'll talk about that next right here on The Duff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: The NFL off-season workouts, off-season programs, I guess, whatever you want to call them, they start today for uh, for some of the teams. And a, con- a collection of wide receivers, <clears throat> really good ones, by the way, have announced their intentions to not participate in their team's preseason workouts. Those three being 49ers superstar Debo Samuel, Titans oft-injured wideout A.J. Brown, and commanders tough guy and great receiver scary Terry McLaurin. Now, they're all seeking new contracts. These were all, by the way, second- and third-round picks, respectively, in the draft, uh, in the in the same draft that year. And because of that, they don't have the guaranteed final year of that of that contract the extra year that you would get as a first round pick and they believe that they have outperformed their rookie contracts and they're right they have (laughs) Uh, I mean AJ Brown he was hurt basically all year last year um, and you know banged up a little bit the year before but still you know a, a wildly effective talent in the in the NFL Debo, who came on like gangbusters last year because Kyle Shanahan was able to put him in positions to make big plays. And this is something that was coming. 49er fans understand from watching Debo over the last couple of years that this was – they were just waiting to take the top off and see what see what he could really do. And we saw it this year. He had eight rushing touchdowns this year, which is the most by a wide receiver in NFL history. He had the ball in his hands all kinds of different ways. And he's a tough dude. He's taken some big shots, and he was expected to do some things that running backs and tight ends do as a smaller-sized wide receiver. And Terry McLaurin, who is languishing with that horrible, horrible organization, the Washington Commanders slash football team slash Redskins, I happen to think that Terry McLaurin is, is, has the potential to be one of the best receivers in the league. I His skill set to me is incredible. I love watching him play. Uh, he's just one of those guys, like, I'll watch a Washington game um, or at least a few offensive series just to watch Terry McLaurin because he is just spectacular. Now, those three have all basically said that they are not going to participate in the offseason or the preseason, offseason, slash whatever, uh, on-field workouts that they're having. Because you look at the, the wide receiver market and what's happened just in the last – couple of weeks, right? The last few weeks the Raiders give Devontae Adams a huge bag making him the highest paid non-quarterback in league history. And then a week later, the Kansas City Chiefs trade Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins make Tyreek Hill the richest non-quarterback in league history. I mean, you look at the numbers, What uh, Devontae Adams got $142 million, right? Uh, Tyreek... Got he got less because he had he had a less had a less, uh, years on the deal, but he got more guaranteed seventy two million guaranteed for Tyreek Hill fifty two and a half million dollars at signing. Like here's your Brinks truck, welcome to Miami. Other guys we, we we it all started right with Christian Kirk and the Jaguars. Jaguars gave him a bag four years seventy two million doesn't have a thousand yards receiving in a single season yet in his career. The Chargers gave Mike Williams sixty million dollars. Uh, the Bills just paid Stephon Diggs, rightfully so, $104 million. Chris Godwin coming off injury, he got three years, $60 million. So, like, dude's getting paid at the wide receiver position. And these three guys, A.J. Brown, Debo, Samuel, Terry McLaurin, three of the top performers in the league at that position, are sitting here like, hey, we're making like $1.9 million this year. Like, where, where, where's our money? Now, uh, D.K. Metcalf is another member of that that draft class. He was drafted in the second round of that draft, and he also is looking for a new contract. But I also think that everyone understands that the Seahawks are trying to trade him. Like they're looking for the right dancing partner and the right deal to send D.K. Metcalf somewhere else because they're going to do a, it. A, it's a complete roster overhaul in Seattle. But what do these three teams do? I mean, the, the, you know, the Washington football team, the Commanders, who knows what they're, you know, what they're thinking? They need Terry McLaurin more than he needs them. That's for damn sure. But the other two teams, like Tennessee, did just fine without AJ Brown this year. Obviously, you know, they it culminated in a playoff loss once they got to the postseason. But that's because their three stars or their three non-quarterback stars were playing together for the second time all year. So, I mean, AJ Brown may get his money. The Tennessee Titans may challenge him and say, you know. Get healthy, get on the field, then we'll talk. But Debo Samuel is the interesting one here because everyone in the league understands his his value and just how impactful he is. But that's in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like, how good would Debo Samuel be in New England? Or how good would he be in Green Bay in more traditional-style offenses, right? Like, would he have that kind of impact? He's a smaller you know, s- smaller style receiver, smaller guy, would he have that kind of impact? He's not the, you know, he's not the, the speed burner, you know, he's not the guy that's going to get off you know, the line and, and just, you know, rip somebody down the field for a 50 yard bomb. He can, but it's usually because of design and by scheme, he gets open, you know, in those certain areas, those, those, those types of ways. Now there's discussion out of San Francisco that there will be a draft day trade or uh, leading up to the draft day trade for Debo Samuel like the 49ers are like you know hey uh you know we did it we did it before you got here we turned you into the player that you are we'll do it without you you want to sit out you want to not be uh, a teammate to this to this program we're going to go find somebody else who will be and the 49ers I mean they could probably get two first round picks for Debo Samuel because look at the prices that wide receivers are getting Their their value has never been higher in the league. In league history, wide receivers have never been more valuable than they are today. You imagine the 49ers getting two first round picks for Debo Samuel? I mean, maybe they just go out and get another wide receiver in the draft and say, okay, we're gonna cultivate this guy over the next year or two. We're gonna turn him into the player that we turned Debo Samuel into. It's it's interesting and and, you know, and and I get obviously a lot of the information filtered to me. About the 49ers because i you know I'm a fan obviously so I get all the I get all that information filtered to me, but you look at over the last two years and there there have been all kinds of statistics compiled about 49ers players when they're on the team when they're not on the team yada 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 like their production with the team is is remarkable like defensive linemen wide receivers running backs you look at their numbers before they were a 49er when they were 49er and after they were 49er it is it, it, it's it's remarkable the spike in productivity that they get when they're in san francisco it's a, I mean it's a credit to that entire coaching staff so debo is an interesting an interesting piece where would they trade him you know who would be the players there are a lot of teams that would love to have debo samuel on their team i mean i mean and i mean a lot philadelphia could certainly i mean i'm not even going to go down the list they're, 22 teams, it'd probably be like, yeah, we would love to trade for Debo Samuel. We'll we'll take him. He's a good player. He really is. I mean, he's he's proven it, it wasn't. This was not a flash in the pan. This was him rising to the occasion after two previous years of showing glimpses and flashes of what he could be in this league. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Um, it'll also be interesting to see if other wide receivers start to go this route, knowing that there's so much money for them. Right now there is. Their their teams are climbing over one another to one-up their division mates in what receivers they have on their roster. To me, it's silly. You can't pay the quarterback and the receiver and the offensive tackle and the defensive rusher and the corner. You can't. You're going to have 47 guys that belong in the USFL. Speaking of the USFL, did you watch it this weekend? I'm guessing no. Based on the number, the numbers that I'm seeing from the overnight ratings on Saturday and Sunday, I'm guessing you, and I'm specifically talking to you, however many of you there are, that you did not watch the USFL this weekend. We'll talk about that next and my opinions on what I saw in the first weekend of the USFL. Next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: The NBA playoffs are here, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs. All customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. Now, what is a no-sweat SGP, you ask? Well, first off, you just go onto the app, look for the no-sweat promo on the FanDuel uh, page there, click the opt-in button. Once you've opted in, choose one SGP you like during the week and make your play. If your bet slip doesn't win, FanDuel will compensate you with up to $20 in free bets. It's just that simple. Now, I've already had the opportunity to play with some of these free bets, and i uh, got to be honest with you, it's real fun when you get to play with someone else's money, literally playing with house money. FanDuel has so many ways for you to customize your parlays your way, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get pay, uh, paid faster than an inbounds alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton. And if you're new to FanDuel, awesome. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today, sign up with my promo code DEAN, and you can enjoy access to even more great promotions like this one. But you got to use my promo code DEAN exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So lace them up this NBA postseason and get up to twenty dollars in free bets if your SGP doesn't win with FanDuel Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. Twenty one and over in present in Arizona. Refund issued as is non drawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free twenty uh, free bet twenty dollars per week. Restrictions apply. See full term to sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call one-eight hundred next step or text next step to five three three four two. I checked out the USFL this weekend. And I may have been the only one (laughs) because according to uh, according to NBC, the USFL who made its debut on Saturday night and it was there like there was a pair of like it was it was on two networks, right? It was on uh, Fox and uh, and um, NBC. So the games now these were not actual ratings numbers. These are not statistics. These are numbers that were given by the USFL, and they were projection numbers. They say that their projected number of viewers was 3.5 million, right around and, and it peaked at 3, 3.5, but would have been about 3 million. However, I don't think those numbers are even close. I talked to a lot of people this weekend, and I was like, hey, did you watch any of the USFL? They're like, oh God, that's on. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. People forgot about it, left and right. In fact, if you woke up Sunday morning to watch the uh, the the uh, the game in Birmingham, uh, the the uh, the people of Birmingham also forgot that there was a game because you could literally, and I mean th- this is this is not an exaggeration, folks. You could count the amount of people in the stadium. It would have taken you two minutes to count everyone in the stadium, maybe two minutes, if if you'd had like just pictures of both sidelines, you could have counted everybody in less than two minutes. I, I sent I sent a, a text to my buddy, and I was like, hey, uh, if you're watching the USFL, I think we might be the only two because there are literally 50 fans at the game. Now, these teams, I think, the, I think each roster has 46 players, 45 or 46 players on the roster. So, like, the 50 people in attendance at the Birmingham game wasn't even enough for their family to show up. They're both playing ninety players on the and ninety players on the field, and there are fifty people in attendance <laughs> oh oh boy, not a good start for the u s f l now i'm not going to judge anything based on viewership and stuff like that that's up to that's up to people to um you know to check out themselves and if they you know if they want to watch great if not that's that you know you gotta find something else to watch or whatever i, I don't i don't care about that. What I do care about is what I saw. Now, I wasn't overly impressed with the amount of play, and I didn't expect to be because, hell, <laughs> I mean, these, were, these are teams that spent 22 days in training camp. It's an entirely new league. They're playing with new rules. They've got all kinds of different gear that they're trying out. And really, you know, there were coaches being hired to coach these, these teams two weeks ago. Still. Like they were still finding coaches to 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 coach the teams. It has not it it was basically thrown together. Uh thirty-eight man rosters. Sorry, thirty-eight man roster. Thank you. Uh thirty-eight man rosters for the for each team, so there were seventy-six players. Regardless, whatever. Um I what I saw was a league that's going to take some time to develop, and and we expected that. However, I at least I expected it. I don't think everyone else expects this. Like in this day and age, in the world that we're living in today, people want results now. Like people want to see a finished, polished product immediately. They want to turn on the TV and be wowed. And if you turn on the TV expecting to be wowed by the USFL this weekend, you probably change the channel pretty quickly because it wasn't wow. There was not a whole lot of oh that was a great play there there was not a whole lot of those moments and in fact there was a lot of times where it was it was confusing because the, the if you didn't watch the USFL has like open communication lines via the radio headsets between the players and the coaches that just goes out over the air like coaches calling plays to to their, their players there's multiple players on the on the field with microphones in their helmets so you're hearing – this is literally what you heard. Okay, and, I, and this is not an exaggeration either. I'm, I'm, I'm being straight with you here. You would hear a coach talking to his quarterback or whatever, essentially saying, okay, I want this is the play we're going to run. You could hear the opposing coach talking to his defense. Then you could also hear – and this is all happening at the same time. You could also hear players on the field talking about stuff or just breathing or making noises or tapping their helmets or whatever and you could hear the officials talking and then on top of that you could hear the drones buzzing around the drone cameras that they had on the field it was like a it was like watching what 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 year was the uh, the world cup in South Africa with the vuvuzelas you remember hearing that is that constant a constant drone of that noise where you're trying to watch the game and you're like I got a damn headache after 30 minutes of this crap. It was <laughs> the, the, the broadcast, the, the, the truck needs to figure things out as far as like audio lines. Like, let's not leave all the lines of audio open at once. Like, let's let's try to like work in an audio mix, maybe, uh, you know, on offense. Let's hear the play call and then maybe switch over to what the defense is doing. Oh, hey, look, they're going in this formation. Let's do this. Let's not just, you know. I, I, I just have this vision of this, you know, this tech, this engineer sitting at a console, like a forty-eight channel console in front of him, and with all ten of his fingers just pushing all the lines of audio up, you know, like you see in like a recording studio. Like, whoop, let's give it all to him. Here we go, and it was a mess. Like you couldn't, you couldn't delineate any part of, it, of what was going on. It was, it was a mess. That stuff needs to be, that stuff needs to be figured out, and I think it will. I thought the officiating was good. Uh, honestly, like I thought, I thought the officiating was there wasn't like a whole lot of like messy moments as far as like indecision of what to do. Uh, I thought, I thought that was good. The broadcast booths were good. Uh, you know, whatever. I can't remember who the one of the guys was. He sounds just like Chris Collinsworth. Like, and I mean, I thought it was Chris Collinsworth. I'm like, why is Chris Collinsworth doing a USFL game? Like, he had that same. You know, that same Baltimore accent, the way that, you know, like the way those people pronounce words, like it's, you specifically speak that type of dialect if you live in Baltimore, uh, the way they, they say things, it sounded just like him and i like, and they, they never said who it was. I didn't catch who it was at least. Um, yeah, the, 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 there's a lot of ideas and I, I appreciate them being ambitious with some of these ideas, but it's gotta be controlled. First of all, take the drones like the, these, like these drone cams, and just throw them in the trash. It was garbage every time. It was it was hard to watch. Um, the the angles were not good. You're kind of like watching like a, like a player from like their nameplate on the back, and you're kind of watching it, and it's it's just not conducive to the eye through a camera lens in that in that in that space. So. That was no good, not to mention the noise, the the constant noise of the drones. It's got to go. Like, that's all I could hear. And my ear kind of picks up things maybe that other people's don't. Like, I I hear frequencies really well. I can't hear people talking. Like, I'm deaf if people talk to me. Like, I can't understand what people are saying. But I can hear, like, little frequencies, and they drive me nuts. That's that's kind of the way, I, and that's what I was watching TV. I'm like, i, I got to turn this off. I can't watch this anymore. So the drone's got to go, period, end of story, out of here. Um, the other helmet cams and the hat cams from the officials, they're fun and everything every now and then, and I, I don't mind in the NFL when they put the camera on the umpire. But in an NFL broadcast, they'll show you the, that like the, the umpire cam, If a ball goes whizzing by his head, like once a game, maybe they're like, here, let's take a look at what the umpire's viewpoint is. The ball goes whizzing by and you're like, oh, that's fun. Let's get back to watching traditional frame of, of television football. Okay. The USFL was like, let's watch an entire play from inside the helmet. No, absolutely not. No, please don't. So those are some of the things that need to be, that need to be fixed. Um, the games were long uh that was that was another part of it. The games were really long there was and they have a shorter play clock and all this other stuff, but the games were like the pace wasn't good um that's on that that look that's on the players and the teams again. These are things that we kind of expected because the these teams had haven't had any time together none um look, it, it's gonna take time for the u s f l to endear itself to fans, but I just don't think the fans have the patience to do it. I, I, I would like them to. I would love to have successful spring league football going on, professional football in the spring, but I don't think the fans here in the U.S. will allow it. I, re- I just don't. I, we are so instant gratification hungry in this day and age, and data moves so quickly, and we get news at the touch of a finger. I mean, you don't have time to wait for an, a league to grow, to figure itself out, to, to understand what's right and what's wrong with the, with the broadcast and what people want. and What people want is the NFL, and you're not going to get the NFL because even the best players in this league, in the USFL, couldn't make it in the NFL. And then you got situations where you got guys being fired. I saw this video. I still can't tell if it's real or not. You've got guys being fired players being fired because they ordered pizza instead of chicken salad. I'm not kidding, folks. Look it up. <laughs> a, a running back was, I think it was Birmingham. Uh, a, Their running back was let go because the coach said he disrespected somebody when he ordered pizza because he didn't want to eat the chicken salad that they were offering. <laughs> like, what is happening here? What? <laughs> What kind of leadership are we are we dealing with? And the the coach is like, that it's it's you know, it's a business decision. It's done. You did you did what you did, and it's over and done with. And we're and, and we're out of here. And he gets up and leaves. And the players like, bro, I didn't disrespect anybody. I just wanted some pizza. <laughs> I'm still confused. I don't know if it's real or not. I can't tell because it seems fake. But I don't. It, it might not be. Who knows? Who knows what anything is real on the internet anymore these days? All right. Well. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos.
1: Desert Diamond is
0: true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Feel so free to tune in this afternoon from 3 to 6 to Spears and Ali. They'll have a recap of the weekend. They'll have some more time to kind of collect their thoughts and uh, deliver their message about Christian Coloco entering the uh, the NBA draft, running his name to the NBA draft. I gave uh, I gave my thoughts on it just quickly. I You know, I feel like it's, it's the right move for him. Um, it's the right time to go. I don't think that his, you know – who knows? His draft stock may or may not be any higher at this time next year. The fact of the matter is, he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and the time—the uh, time to go is now. And I—I uh, I support his decision, and I think he's going to do great things in the NBA. I really do. I expect a lot of good things out of uh, out of Christian Coloco at the next level. So good luck to him, and uh, in his journey to uh, get ready for the NBA draft, and then to whomever team takes him in that draft. Maybe it'll be the Phoenix Suns. Maybe it'll be a little backup to DeAndre there. Who knows? Uh could Baker Mayfield be in a, a essentially a a preseason battle for the quarterbacking position in Carolina and who will it be with? So there's thoughts that maybe Carolina is the leading the the, the team that is leading the charge to make a Baker Mayfield trade with the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns don't want him there anymore. He's already I mean he hasn't been traded yet and he's talking about how his you know like basically his past with the Cleveland Browns like like he's gone already. I don't understand. He, again, dealing with children and you know if you're not dealing with adults, uh you these are the kind of responses you're going to get. I do believe that the Carolina Panthers are going to draft Malik Willis with the number 6 overall pick in this draft. I I've felt that all along. If they didn't go and get Jimmy Garoppolo, that they were going to draft Malik Willis do they make the trade for Baker Mayfield now because Baker Mayfield like uh, I don't I I think at this point the Cleveland Browns would be happy with like a bag of balls like just get him the hell out of here please so we could be looking at a training camp battle for the starting quarterback position in Carolina between Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield and Malik Willis oof Matt Rule's got his work cut out for him there. Because, I mean, honestly, I think Malik Willis has the highest ceiling of those three. Sam Darnold's done. I, I've been done with Sam Darnold for a long time. Other people have been giving him chances, but he's not any good, and he's proven that year to year. And then Baker, who knows what you're it get out of here. All right, well, that is going to wrap up today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in as we join uh, every day here from 7 to 9 a.m. I will see you guys again tomorrow, bright and early at 7 a.m. for tomorrow's edition of the Jeff Dean Show, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.